0: What Do We Do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, introducing listeners to the leaders in our community. Hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen, alongside WWJ midday news anchor, Brooke Allen.
1: Hey, I'm Brooke Allen. Our goal with the What Do We Do podcast is to educate listeners on topics that impact your financial growth, your retirement, and your lifestyle.
2: And I'm Dewey Steffen. Join us twice a month as we welcome some of today's leaders in the community for conversations that can help with investment decisions so you can plan for and live your best
0: life. Here's Dewey Steffen alongside Brooke Allen.
1: Hey, I'm Brooke Allen. Thank you so much for being with us on the What Do We Do podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, ding the bell, share, whatever. Uh, we're so happy to be here. Of course, it is season two, episode 12 number 54. So we are rocking and rolling. Of course, uh, Dewey Steffen is here too. And hey, Dewey.
2: Brooke, it's great to see you. (laughs) Happy February. Yes. It's uh, the middle of winter here in Michigan. (laughs) Brutal. Hello, everyone out there in YouTube world and podcast nation. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the What Do We Do podcast. Again, the mission of the What Do We Do podcast is to be a leader in the community and to give back to the community. And a way that we do that is we find other leaders in the community that have a story to tell knowledge to share, and advice to give. And then we get them on our podcast to provide their expertise and tell their story with our entire community. So excited to have a uh, special guest here yes. today, Brooke.
1: Yes, it's amazing and um I can't wait to hear his story. Hi.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I'd like to uh, give a real brief introduction to Mr. Austin Hatch. For those that don't know, Austin was featured in an ESPN documentary called Miraculous. And I'm going to tell you all before I go any further to write that down or type it into your Google search bar or to YouTube and check out the ESPN documentary, Miraculous, and you're going to hear Austin's story told by ESPN. And with that, all I'm going to say today, Austin, is I'm so happy you're here. And for our audience, you were born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and you are a Michigan Wolverine. Sure. And that is all I'm going to say. The rest of the story, I'm going to let you tell. And then we're also going to uh, communicate you know, our thoughts and uh, put some of the pieces together alongside you. Is that okay today? That sounds great. My friend, great to see you yeah. here. Good to see you as well. Welcome thank to the podcast. Thank thanks, really thanks much, Austin. I
3: appreciate it. Good to see you all.
2: Absolutely. So yeah, please uh, tell your story. And um, for those that don't know, it's an amazing story. And thanks again for being here.
3: No, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, so uh, I've got a unique story. Um, had an incredible childhood, incredible childhood, you know, and the kind of childhood most kids dream of, I feel like. And um, so my mom, Julie, was an incredible homemaker growing up, had a, you know, there's always great food on the stove, we'd go outside, play hard, and come inside, always good food there, and my, my buddies and I, always always loved coming over to our house, or their house, or wherever, just, just an ideal childhood, the kind of childhood most kids dream of. Um, but then tragically, um, we were flying home from my grandparents' vacation home in northern Michigan, and um, my dad was a doctor, was also a pilot, and the airplane tragically crashed and claimed the lives of my mom, Julie, who was 38 at the time. My sister, Lindsay, was 11. Little brother, Ian, was only five. Um, incomprehensible loss, right? But, my, you know, my dad and I found a way to press on in the midst of that and keep living. I don't think you ever really move on from that kind of a loss, but you just find ways to cope with it, um, which we did. And eventually was remarried to a loved woman named Kimberly who had three kids of her own and had a great blended family. Um, restore some normalcy in my life. Not the same, obviously, but you know, great to have a mom and siblings at home again. And um, life was good. Life was good, and I was working hard on my basketball skills on the court. Got to be pretty good, P- pretty good. Fortunately, and, uh, Coach B,
2: pretty good. Hold on here, pretty good. I know that uh, when you were recruited by Coach B, that'd be Coach B line for all those out there that don't know. Uh, it's been said that he came to watch you play a game, and you had thirty points. And I'm gonna see if you know how many rebounds. I'm gonna say
3: twelve rebounds. I think I think sixteen. Correct. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Ring that bell. I was just testing
2: my man. Sixteen rebounds. <laughs> 16. And uh, so you had some game,
3: uh, and were bet. recruited by like you said, Coach B. And what year was this? This was that was 2011. He 2011. saw me play as a sophomore. Um, yeah, he saw me play once, and you know liked what I had to offer, and and then he Coach B. Cool thing about him. Coach never he never recruit never offered guys scholarships before June of their sophomore year, because he wants to see two years of good grades before. Because if you have good grades your freshman year and then you fall off, as a sophomore, junior, senior, right? Like he wants to see two years of consistent good grades to get it to be on his team. Because you know, coach has a pretty complex offense and a lot of you got to be smart to be able to execute his game plans and everything and the scouting reports. So he was, I guess, okay with my grades. they were they weren't great. They were good enough though um and he offered me scholarship and I accepted it on the spot and it was a dream come true and yeah I look forward to having a great career at Michigan hopefully so
2: yeah that was a uh, uh, great start to what was going to be the rest of your life and then uh, what happened after that
3: yeah so June 15th I commit coach B and I commit to each other June 15th 2011 then nine days later June 24th where my dad second mom and I never use the term stepmom you know she's my mom loved me like I was her own and not the same, obviously, but, um, you know, it was a great situation altogether. And um, we were flying to northern Michigan, the same place you were returning from in 2003. Um, and as we were preparing to land, tragically, the airplane crashed and took my dad and second mom's life on impact and almost killed me too. P- put me in a coma for a couple months with a long list of injuries, traumatic brain injury, punctured lungs, bro- five broken ribs, clavicles, hematoma in my leg, you know, back- pelvis, like, But, like, I don't even know all the injuries that I had. But, by the grace of God, I came out of the coma and survived, literally speaking. But I was determined to find a way to thrive in the midst of it. And, you know, I was, as I said, by the grace of God, I survived. I can take no credit for that. Nothing I did right. Maybe I was in good shape. That may have helped. Probably not. Didn't really do it. Didn't really do much, though. Um, I survived by the grace of God, and I was just determined to find a way to thrive in the midst of it. I think we'll talk about this more in a few minutes, but. My dad always told me, he said, Oh, go big or go home, man. Mm-hmm. Go big or go home. Don't waste your time going halfway. In sports, go big or go home. In school, go big or go home. In relationships, go all in, right? And in my recovery, it was just the same thing. i just going to go all in. Go big or go home. So, so
2: let's talk about that. So um, three months, you were in an uh, induced coma correct to uh, yeah about, I, think, I think about nine weeks nine weeks in a coma eight, eight or nine and then you had months of recovery and again not just physical recovery so you could uh, you know play basketball again but you again had to learn to walk again you again had all kinds of internal injuries you had um, I don't know if it was brain damage but you had brain you had brain injuries if that's correct for sure and so you had to um, relearn a lot of things right so t- if you can just for a few minutes walk us through the time frame so um again this podcast is only an hour max everyone <laughs> Brooke. Mm-hmm. but the story um can be told in hours and days and weeks and so with that we'll go fast if as we have to but um again the recovery um Nine weeks in a coma, and then from you know starting your recovery and rehab to when were you able to leave the hospital and you know then walk, um, to again you know back to high school to play basketball and finish. And then I'll let you tell the rest of the story,
3: yeah, yeah. So I was uh I was discharged from the hospital October 8th, 2011, and to, <laughs> to be discharged from the RIC in Chicago, the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, it's now called the Shirley Ryan. Rehabilitation Institute of, you know, renamed or whatever, which is no, big deal. But um, so to be discharged from there, I had to walk up and down a flight of stairs by myself, and I was discharged October eighth, twenty eleven, which was awesome. And so I got out of the hospital early. I was supposed to be there th- through Christmas, but got out th- got out of there early. But thanks to incredible doctors and therapists and everybody, and um, got home and just got to work. And eventually, just, you know, once I could had balance that was good enough where I could be, like, like functional, like live live a normal life, you know, walking up and down stairs and stuff and do everything by myself. We started we doing my rehab. Because my, my therapist in Fort Wayne was a former college basketball player at a small college in Fort Wayne. Um, and we our therapy was in the gym, and he was helping me regain my ability to chew and dribble a little bit. and um, So, yeah, it was great. And so the accident was June 24, 2011. I got in a, in a game, I think January – January sixth, two 2014. So it was about two and a half years mm-hmm. to get into a game again. But, yeah, got in game in California when I was out there. And first time in you know, two and a half years, coach calls a play for me and got a nice down screen and um, came off the screen and was fortunate enough to hit the shot. And
2: if I recall, yeah. it was uh, for three.
3: Was it, it a was. three-pointer? <laughs> it was. Okay. It was. Okay. You, you know, you know I um, hit a lot of rim, though. I would, have, I would have liked okay. it to be all net. Okay, had a lot of rim, but hey, I guess three is three though. It counts the same either way. So,
2: from the video I saw, it looked like it was nothing but net. So uh, <laughs> you got that camera angle going for you. Uh, who, um, you know, uh, was your caretaker from, um, you know, the rest of your uh, minor
3: uh, days? Yeah. So I live. So when I got discharged from the RIC in Chicago, I went to live with my sister Maria in Fort Wayne um for a couple years and then um all my friends went to college but I missed a year of school because of the recovery and stuff Mm -hmm. so when that went to college I went out to LA so it was kind of like the same not the same but you know they went to college I went to a year of prep school basically in a way and went out to live to live with my aunt and uncle in Pasadena California went to school downtown LA which I know you know well Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was great I formed some great relationships there great friendships and you know those people really it changed my life too. I'm just so grateful that in the midst of all the tragedy and loss and pain, I've had so many great people who just stepped up and just rose to the occasion, you know? So I'm I found it's hard to be grateful and negative at the same time. So, I mean, obviously what happened to me was it was a net negative for sure. Obviously like with all the tragedies and everything, terrible. But not that there's positives that that have come from it, but there's a lot of good things that have happened despite that loss, you know?
1: Can um, I ask you a question? As far as when you were physically rehabbing, right, and going through that and recovering, did that help you emotionally?
3: Yeah, I think it was. I think it did because it just gave me something else to focus on. I was I was injured so bad, and having to focus on relearning how to walk and do schoolwork, mm-hmm. right, and how to basically how to like do pretty much everything. Right. Um, I don't want to say you don't, you don't have time to to grieve the loss or focus on the tragedies, but it's like I think about for all the other people in my family, they were obviously busy caring for me too, but for them it was like they had to worry about me or they chose to worry about me because they're great people, but they just had the loss. And, like, there wasn't much to distract them from it. And I don't want to say distract as in it's distraction is a good thing, but I just think it's, you know, having other things in your life to to occupy your attention is important when you go through something tough like that because if you don't have other things to focus on, you'll just get consumed by the tragedy and that'll, that will will eat you up, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and that, that, I don't think that's a good thing. Good, good way to live life. So, Uh,
2: so you graduated from Loyola high school in uh, Los Angeles. Is that right? Yep. And then um, you went back to Indiana and you opened a pizzeria. Is that
3: right? Actually, no, no, that's not no, what happened. No, okay. No. Okay. There, there are some great pizza places in, right me, not? in Fort Wayne though. No? None are called Hatch's pizza no, not, or no. Austin's
2: awesome pizza. No. Okay.
3: Nope, nope. Okay. You know what? If I need to change your career, I might think about that right. though. Right. Why not? Right. Yeah. So, um, all right, great. So, uh, you're, you are recovered.
2: You're able to walk and talk and think and play a little basketball. Okay. And, uh, again, um, you, um, recovered well.
3: Um, so then what? What happened after high school? So after um, I went, spent my year in California, year of prep school, say prep school kind of, um, Coach B honored my scholarship, which is incredible. And one of the things I talk about today, and uh, we'll talk about this more in a few minutes, but you know, Coach honored my scholarship. I went to Michigan and um, had an incredible four years. actually put myself in the record books at Michigan, believe it or not, Dewey. I'm the all-time lowest scoring full scholarship athlete in program history. Is that right? Nobody will ever score less than one point a game and stay on scholarship for years. Or, or at least I highly doubt it. Okay, right. I highly doubt it. Right. So fantastic. Um, Maybe that's not a record to be proud of. But. You have a trophy with that? I would be very proud of that. So
2: if you want to um, switch, you know, that um, I'm happy to be a varsity uh, basketball alumni with that amazing um, program. So. Um, That's, to me, insane, right? And that's, again, where the story just really starts. So we are going to talk about um, life after Michigan basketball. But, um, again, from your childhood and then being a scholar athlete and having Coach Beeline honor your athletic scholarship to play men's basketball. And you were on some pretty good teams, if I'm not mistaken, um, maybe, again, talk for a minute about um, your time at Michigan as a basketball player and, again, your teammates here um, at Great Lakes Wealth and the What Do We Do podcast. We always say that together, everyone achieves more. For sure. Team. Uh, for but sure. So, again, don't just drive through the four years of uh, Michigan like that. Psst, let's take a pause. Let's talk about your uh, basketball, but let's also talk about your academics yep. and what you learned there. Yep. And then um, there might be a little social um, part of your uh, college that you want to talk about too. So
3: a small part of okay. a small a small part of that. Um, yeah. So you know, my time at Michigan was incredible, incredible, and um, I'll be eternally grateful for Coach Beeline. And as far as I'm concerned, he's you know, there's you know, my dad was the second greatest of all time. As far as you know, Jesus Christ, number one. And my dad, too. Coach B's got to be number three, or at least up there, right? One of the greatest ever. I mean, you talk about a just the character that he had, the way he he led the team, the way he impacted all of us as as people, as young men, the way that what we learned from him, the example he set every day. I mean, it's just incredible, incredible. And I'm just so grateful for my time there with Coach and. Um, all the things that he taught me and the way he included me in the program it gave me a role my ro- my role what let me know my role was important right and yeah I just am so grateful and but yeah so I was blessed to be a part of the team four years played on was on the roster my freshman year got in a couple games where I where I where I scored a, a free throw um and like I said they would put me in the record books and I, <laughs> I'm proud of that but I'm the all-time lowest scoring full scholarship athlete ever which is Maybe it's the record to be proud of, maybe it's not. Um, but then I took a medical hardship, scholarship, sophomore, junior, senior year, which is a program that Michigan has that for athletes who have career injuries. So you can stay on, on scholarship for years, but your scholarship doesn't count against the program. So they, can use, they could use my scholarship for somebody who could actually help the team on the court, right? And, um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm so grateful. But everything was the same, though, and I was at practice and helping, with the, you know, doing the things that I could do. and.
2: And then in the classroom, what uh, what did you get your degree in, and uh, what else were you doing besides uh, working out with the team and uh, going to
3: class? Yeah, so I um I got my degree in a, a program called Organizational Studies at Michigan, which is so the Ross School of Business. You know, it's like the you know business degree. Um, Organizational Studies is kind of so Ross is is its own entity. It's separate from Michigan, like LSNA the Literature, Science, and Arts, but Org Studies is the A business degree. So I got, like, it's kind of a combination of business and social science. So I had, like, econ, finance, accounting, all that stuff, but then, like, a little bit of psychology, sociology, that kind of stuff. So you get a little bit of both until you learn, like, a little more, like, not just numbers, but also a little bit about, like, the psychology of business, which I think is important. Um, so it was great. You know, I'm really grateful that I was admitted to that program. and. Um, yeah, d- didn't just spend all my time. I, I, I like to think I, I studied pretty hard, but could have probably studied harder in hindsight, but um, yeah, yeah,, so my freshman year, um, the fall of my freshman year in the, the undergraduate science building, I had a class, Political science. and um, it's a class there's like 800 people in the class, divided among three lecture halls. The professor's in one, he's on video camera in the other two, and the lecture hall is organized by last name. My wife's maiden name was Cole, okay, and my last name's Hatch, obviously. So she was in a different lecture hall than me. So it was like A through G was in one, then H through N or H through P was in whatever, whatever the organization was. So she's in a different lecture hall than me but gets an email saying, Hey, you need to switch to this, this other lecture hall because we did like a reorganization of the, of the class mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so it's 8.30 a.m. class on Tuesday, Thursday, 8.30 uh, a.m., um i'm there you know i tried to be on time most days and i was on time that day and um i knew I, and my wife abby walked in you know yeah i'll give her the benefit of the doubt 15 20 minutes late um <laughs> and she was looking for a seat and i had a seat next to me mm-hmm. fortunately and hers was just trying to be a great teammate <laughs> right right <laughs> for so I sure could, I gotta say, hey <laughs> right and she took the bait and <laughs> you know from there we hit it off and Started dating a month later, and then three and a half years after that, got engaged the night she graduated f- from Michigan, because she was a year ahead of me. And then my senior year at Michigan, we were engaged, and then we got married a month after I graduated from Michigan. So, blessed. That's awesome. Very blessed.
2: That's awesome. And uh, Abby was also a student athlete, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, she's a very good student athlete. Really good volleyball player. Um, I hope our kids get her athletic genes. <laughs> she was uh yeah, she's, she's a great, great volleyball player. She's a three-time All-American. Not to brag on her, but I say, I say uh, how can I not? Right, how absolutely. Not? Well,
2: she we wanted to make sure that uh, yeah. we give Abby a shout-out today for sure. Yeah. Um, she is a very important part of your story. For sure. And um, so, uh, yes, a uh, big shout-out to Abby and um, what, you know, what she brought to your table. Um, and I think that's an amazing story. So your freshman year at Michigan, um, you – were known for these events. I mean, this was not some secret, and, you know, you were put in the corner because, you know, no one wanted to talk about this. You, I think, were the talk of the campus in some regards, right, not in some celebrity way or some, um, you know, obnoxious way. You can speak more of that than I can. But um, whether it was Abby knew you before she knew you or other people on campus, again, appreciated and, um, you know, wanted to share love with you for, um, hearing about your, um, you know, your, 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 your childhood. So, um, is any of that true or?
3: Yeah, I think it, um, you know, I think I had a lot of support throughout my journey and, um, you know, people, uh, but always just, you know, say thinking, thinking of you you praying for you and your family, wish you all the very best, you know, people that I would see in my hometown of Fort Wayne, you know, the whole town where they wrap their arms around me and my family and stuff. And, and when I got to Michigan, because the ESPN thing came out, I think, maybe in the wintertime of my freshman year, and that kind of made some news and um, made the story more public. And those who had followed the basketball program, you know, knew about my story and stuff. But I'm just so grateful for that I have Michigan as part of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just So uh, how
1: was that for you when this came out?
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's like I kind of wish it was, like, just a little, like, less public but I get the fact that like it's a it gets people's attention because it was my second one and then I commit to Michigan a week before and you know it's like kind of I understand how it gets people's attention and I'm just like like I said before there's so many people who just like every everybody would always just like you know because I think a lot of people didn't always know what to say Mm -hmm. because they're like my story is kind of unrelatable like right, like everybody faces challenges, but like the tragedy and the you know the plane crashes, that's kind of unrelatable. Fortunately, or it's very unrelatable. Um, but yeah, people would always just be supportive and loving, and just you know praying for you and your family, man. Like wish you all the best. If it's ever anything I can do to help you, like you know I'll do it. I'll do my do whatever I can. And
1: they were probably sincere too, right?
3: Yeah, I mean it's. I'd like to think so. Right. And yeah, it's you know I'm just so grateful that. Um, I have Michigan part of my story, and I think I think Michigan's a special place. Not to diminish any other institution, because I'm sure a lot of pl- a lot of places would. Oh, listen, we can diminish them. Okay, <laughs> okay. We can okay. Diminish them. Let's go, go blue. Okay, go blue, okay. go blue. So uh, <laughs> yes,
2: but anyway, continue.
3: But I was just going to say, you know, I feel I feel like you know, like there's that song. It says like I believe most people are good. I really think they are. I think there's a lot more good in the world than bad. A lot more good people than than, than people who aren't so good. And yeah, I'm just. There are, like, I keep going back to this. I'm just grateful for, for all the things that I've been blessed with just despite the tragedies that I've unfortunately experienced. Hey,
1: guys, it's Brooke. I want to take a minute to talk to you about Dewey Stefan and his great team at Great Lakes Wealth. Do you feel overwhelmed managing your assets? Well, Great Lakes Wealth offers Wall Street solutions with Main Street values. That is really what they are all about. They will help you develop a custom financial plan, utilizing all of your assets and keeping your goals in mind. That is what Great Lakes Wealth is all about, helping you and your family achieve your financial dreams. So go to greatlakeswealth.us to schedule an appointment today and tell them Brooke sent you
2: well thank you for getting us uh, to this point now this is where you didn't go back to Fort Wayne because you're now married to Abby and you both graduated so you're living in Ann Arbor and you opened a pizzeria (laughs) is this right (laughs) No, yeah. no, okay. although, although, no <laughs> although,
3: although I did work for Domino's okay. in, in, the, in, the, in the corporate That's office. The corporate office is Ann Arbor. Yeah. Okay. The, so. world, the, the world headquarters of the number one pizza company in the world.
2: Okay. Um, and there is good local uh, pizza on campus of Ann Arbor. We can, uh, we can confirm that as well, right?
3: There is, that, but I still pledge my allegiance to Domino's, okay. though.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, so, nope, Austin Hatch or Abby Hatch Pizzeria.
3: Not yet. No, I'm not saying never. Just not at the (laughs) current juncture. I love pizza. Okay, Okay. love pizza. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Fair. All right. Fair enough. So, since there's not a pizzeria uh, that you're going to every day. Let's talk about what you're doing now. It is also an inspirational story. It's equally to everyone listening and everyone viewing. And by the way, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. We talked about this on the last podcast, but we are over 25,000 downloads, views, watches of the What Do We Do podcast. We're extremely blessed as well. We're extremely full of gratitude and um, thanks for our community um, for listening to us as we try to share what we know about, um, you know, things within our community, but also can uh, share the people that we know and some other amazing stories. So there's no pizzeria, but you um, are now a graduate and uh, have a wife, and you need to start uh, the next uh, phase of your life. So uh, where are we and where do we go?
3: So after I graduated, so – to backtrack a little bit, I interned in the corporate office at Domino's for a couple summers, junior, summer after sophomore, summer after junior year. I um, was offered a job in the corporate office, which I accepted, and loved, loved Ann Arbor, loved, you know, Domino's is a great company, and um, kind of built this speaking business as I was in college and and then while well, I was at Domino's, too. Um, eventually left Domino's to do this full-time, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for, grateful for the opportunity to, to you know, spread my message and share my story for a living and inspire other people to overcome their challenges. And, uh, yeah, so I left Domino's November of 19, a good December, good January, good February, and then the world shut down in March. <laughs> but, you know, I think resilience, one of the things I talk about is, you know, not necessarily, like the, Mr. Webster says something like resilience is getting back to your original state despite being acted, acted upon by an outside force or object or something like that. Like when you're hit, you're forced to detour, you get back to where you currently were or where you were before. I don't, no, I don't agree with that, though. I think, I think resilience is finding a different way to win after you experience something. Because most of the time, when you experience a challenge, a hardship, adversity, a tragedy, God forbid, or whatever the challenge may be, we're not going to be able to get back to the exact same way we were before, but we but finding a different way to win is not a bad thing. Like with COVID nineteen, I don't know if things are going to go back to exactly how they were pre COVID for a while.
2: I do, and they won't.
3: Okay, okay. they okay. will never go okay. back the way they were a hundred percent. I will go on record yeah. <laughs> for
2: for this uh, for this podcast. So
3: that 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 you know further substantiates my point, like that. Like when you're resilient, when COVID hits, okay, you're you're resilient. You yeah yeah you bounce back, but rather more than bounce back, you like you just find a different way to to, to win. It's like on Michigan, we'd have these great game plans for Michigan State. <laughs> Credit the Michigan State fans who may be watching this or any other school, but you know Coach Izzo would always have great. He'd always have great plans for us, and he would do things we didn't expect every time, or every coach would pretty much. But you'd find a way to win, even though you weren't you didn't see something coming and in life we're, I think we're all, we're all determined to find ways to win, but we're going to get hit with roadblocks and stuff that we don't see coming. So if you're resilient, you just find a way.
2: One of the biggest words of 2020 was pivot. You had to pivot for sure. And uh, again, on the basketball court, you can pivot uh, and that is change direction Mm -hmm. and, or um, to your point, when things happen, you have to, um, make a change you sure. have to pivot mm-hmm. so
3: um like you're speaking in person for you know december january february march 6th was my last one in austin texas and mm-hmm. again let's slow down so what were
2: you doing so you left domino's so i left
3: domino's okay. and, uh, and i my little speaking business that we've kind of built um overcome an llc Speaking
2: business. It's a little bit more than a speaking (laughs) business. Okay. You are a national motivational speaker. So we are going to say that one more time. Austin Hatch is a national motivational speaker that tells his story, but then also has an acronym that he uses and tells a different story about future if that's correct so with that uh tell the name of the business again and then uh let's get into the the dirty
3: details yeah yeah no thank you i um so the business the business is called overcoming llc our goal is to help people overcome whatever it is it being the obstacle they're facing whether it's covid work family life whatever everybody's got an it they're trying to overcome Mm -hmm. i think most people do most people's life isn't free of adversity, free of challenge. So at least mine's not. I mean, even though I face some big ones already, there's still challenges. And I, I embrace challenge, embrace adversity, because adversity makes, makes you better. You know, you, you, you grow from You don't grow from the adversity itself, but you grow from how you're forced to respond, how you pivot in the midst of it. So the little acronym we have, so it's, so it's about grit. I talk about grit. And my friend Angela Duckworth from University of Pennsylvania, I'm sure you know her, you, mm-hmm. some of you viewers may know her, um, she says that grit's passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Now she's kind of the grit queen, if you will. She I got she's done incredible work. Obviously, I'm I'm much I'm well below her in far, as far as on the on the totem pole, so to speak. But um, I, she says it's passion and perseverance for long-term goals. That's true for sure. Grit does apply to the long-term goal, no, undoubtedly. But I think it also applies to everything we do every single day. On my recovery, it took some grit to get to Michigan from get to go from a wheelchair. When coach comes to see me and says, Austin, I can't wait to coach you someday, man. <laughs> Whenever you're able to come to Michigan, I can't wait to coach you. I do not know how exactly I was going to do it. but it just took some grit, though. And so I think grit's defined more specifically than just working hard for the long-term vision. So I think grit's the four letters, four key components to it, but it starts with working for a greater purpose. Whatever that greater purpose is, whether it's your faith, your family, your friends, your teammates, the organization – I mean, hopefully all of us are someone internally driven to be the best we can be every day, right? But I think if we're not working for something bigger than ourselves, eventually we're going to give up because it's going to get too hard, too difficult. Oh, it's just for me. I'm doing this only for me. Not really worth it. But if I got family that's counting on me or if I can, uh, for me, if I feel that I can honor my family in heaven by how I choose to respond, no doubt in my mind I'm going to get it done. I'm going to give it everything I got. So I think whatever that purpose is, again, different for everybody. But when you have that greater purpose, it drives grit at all times but especially in the face of adversity. So the G So the G is? Growth mindset. Growth mindset. Which views adversity as opportunity. I believe we grow from anything we experience. As I mentioned, not the adversity that will cause us to grow, but I think we grow from how we're forced to respond. We'd lose a game or two at Michigan when I was there. Coach would always come in the locker room and say, we're going to watch the film, and we're going to find a way to get better from it. We're going to watch the film of the game, and we're going to find a way to get better from it. So I think having a growth mindset, just looking at every, every adversity, every challenge as an opportunity, I think it just makes sense. So the R is the decision to be resilient. And when we make the decision to be resilient, yeah, it's you know bouncing back in the face of adversity, finding a way to achieve our goals. I, don't, I, think, I think it's more about resilience is taking massive action in the face of adversity. Whether or not we achieve our goals despite the adversity, whether or not we bounce back, that's the byproduct of taking massive action, right? One of my coaches at Michigan always said, if our actions don't line up with our dreams and our goals, we either need to change our actions or we need to change our dreams and our goals. So we'd have these team meetings before the season. What are your goals for the year? You know, Big Ten Championship, undefeated at home, national championship, right? Wh- whatever the goals were. Then We'd say, okay, great. Well, if our actions don't line up with the goals we've set, we either have to change our actions and start working harder or we're going to change our goals. And I think that's kind of a life idea. It just kind of makes sense. So. The I is integrity. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we all know that integrity is about being honest, doing the right thing when no one's looking, going about our business the right way. I'm sure integrity is part of the culture here. and you know, um, But I think, in addition, integrity is about following through on our commitments, especially when our circumstances change. Coach Beyond offered me that scholarship, but I was playing at a pretty high level. I had to get a lot better. But he thought that he was going to be able to get a return on his investment in me by me scoring and rebounding and contributing on the court.
2: That was 30 points, 16 rebounds
3: when he <laughs> came to watch you. That was, that, was, that was a high school game. Big 10 basketball is different, <laughs> so <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it would have translated, but, you know, hopefully it would have. Who knows? Who knows? I'll never know. But so he, he offered me a scholarship, and he thought he was going to be able to get an ROI, not to use an investment term here. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he was That's use. return
2: on investment for all of those that are listening and watching. Yeah. Return on
3: investment. Yeah. So he thought he was going to get a tangible ROI by me scoring and rebounding. And helping the team win championships on the court. Win games and hopefully championships. The second plane crash happens nine days later. Almost takes my life. I'm in a coma. I come out of it by the grace of God. I can't play. But coach's follow through to me didn't waver even, even though the circumstances drastically changed. And I'm like, man, if we can all do that, right? Mm-hmm. If we can all have our follow through and our commitments not be contingent on the circumstances. If, our, if everybody on our team knows that when we make a commitment to them, we're going to get it done. And we're going to follow through. If everybody does that consistently, I feel like we're going to win. So, last letter, T. T is the team first mentality. You should always think about the team first. Every person on every team on the planet has a role, and the role is very important. Otherwise, that person probably wouldn't be on the team. You know, as I mentioned, um, I scored one point in four years. I'm the all-time lowest scoring full scholarship athlete in program history. My role on the team was to be a great teammate, Bring positive energy to the gym every day, shag balls in practice, and unload luggage at road trips. That was my role. I was trying to, my goal was to be the best of which I was capable. Coach John Wooden says success is peace of mind attained only from knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you're capable. I think if we can all do that again, if we can all make that effort to be the best of which we're capable every day, our team's gonna win. So that's grit. Purpose driven. Growth mindset, resilience, integrity, team first mentality. I, I love it. I
1: almost hear a basketball, like, just you on the court, right? Just talking about that mm-hmm. and, and just living it, really. I mean, yeah. through all of this, it's amazing.
2: So I have uh, three children. Brooke has Twinkies and an older child as well, but... Um, As you're saying that, I'm thinking about my children. Um, Here at Great Lakes Wealth, we do talk teamwork. We do have uh, teammates and colleagues. But um, to what you said, I'm thinking specifically about the next generation and those that we can teach and mentor, and um, that it's not just one of those four. It's not just um, the G or the R or the I or the T. But it seems, again, that they are all independent, but they all can go together. Um, what, you know, what are your thoughts on um, you know, how you can implement that message and uh, you know, do they work together? Are they all independent? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think, I think they do all work together because I think so. Purpose drives grit at all times, um, especially in the face of adversity, as I said. The growth mindset drives us to make the decision to be resilient. Resilience, resilience is the action. The, the growth mindset is how we interpret adversity. And that drives the action of resilience. Integrity is kind of separate. Um, following through in our commitments, especially when our circumstances change, I guess that goes with the team first mentality too because if we're great teammates, we're going to follow through because we know our teammates are counting on us. So maybe you could say the, the growth mindset and resilience go together and then integrity and the team first mentality go together. And I guess in a way you could say that great teammates lead by example. So we're going to have the growth mindset. We're going to be resilient because our teammates are are counting on us. You know, and people don't – you never know how big of an impact just setting an example can be for somebody. And if we – especially today with all the technology in the world and everything, the world's a lot smaller now with Instagram and Snapchat and all of these things, people like – the world's a lot smaller now. Um, People are always watching, and I think if we remember that, especially in the face of adversity, people are watching how we respond. Not to say that we're going to do a better job of being resilient just because there's other people watching. But if we realize that, hey, you know what, this, this challenge that I'm going through, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm direct, the only one directly impacted by it, like directly impacted. But this ch- it's really not even about me. I mean, it is because it's impacting me a lot, but it's like what it's about is how I can use this challenge to be of service to other people. And I feel like if we just have that mentality, that mindset, we'll find a way to overcome, we'll find a way to thrive. And as I mentioned before, by the grace of God, I survived the second plane both plane crashes, but, you know, especially the second one, I was almost killed with injuries and stuff. But if we decide that we're, that we're going to find ways to use our challenges to be of service to other people, I think we'll find a way to overcome and find a way to thrive, not just survive, we'll find a way to thrive.
2: Amen, love that, <laughs> booyah. Um, uh, you like that? I, I gotta work on like that. that? <laughs> that's booyah. that's it, we blow it up. What do we do, booyah style? What do we do, booyah? Uh, like Cray America, right? <laughs> uh, well, he may have borrowed that from me, but uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, so how do? what happens when uh, adversity, you know, comes and, uh, you aren't successful. Uh, you mentioned adversity before, and I actually was going to, um, tell you that, uh, we do say around here, adversity builds character. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely, um, how you respond to adversity is important and that helps build character. And then we say that character manifests success. So with that though, sometimes it doesn't work out. So sometimes, uh, you know, um, whatever the G or the R or the I or the T, whatever one of those, um, your integrity, falters. So do you, um, you know, say, all right, well, that's it, it's over, I'm just going to go down a different path, and I'm going to pivot into forgetting all of this? Or no, do you have a, you know, some kind of safe word or something that you do to make sure that you don't uh,
3: quit? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't want to sound idealistic and say that, you know, you know, if you if you just do these if you're driven, if you decide to be driven by something bigger than yourself—growth mindset, resilience, integrity, team-first mentality—it's not gonna. You're not gonna just blow through every obstacle like it's not even there. That's not realistic, right? But I think if, when, you, whenever, you, when you face a challenge and it doesn't go, is what you don't achieve your goal, or, or you fall short for whatever reason, it's a learning opportunity, right? It's like at Michigan, we we never lost a game intentionally. In sports, nobody, I don't think, nobody ever loses a game intentionally. But by losing, like, for example, my, my senior year at Michigan, we lost a, a, a couple games early in the season. That, that If you look at, like, the, the scouting report and the stat sheets, we probably shouldn't have lost. Like, if ve- Vegas would not have said we were going to lose those games, for if you get what I'm saying. But we did. And... Okay, you know, is what it is. But you grow from that, and then we got to the national championship game my senior year. We were we were one of two teams in the country playing in April of 2018, and so it's like when you, you're going to fall short, it's inevitable. But look at the opportunity. Look where you can learn from it, right? And I think in life, it's like, yeah, you're you're going to fall short. Yeah, things aren't going to go your way. Yeah, sometimes. You're going to fall short because of things that, that we control. We're going to fall short because of things that we control. But I, but for me personally, I try to make sure that, that I, the reason I fall short is, is never because I didn't, work, I didn't work hard enough. And that's what I told myself from day one. I came of coma, in saw Michigan. Coach comes to see me. I can't walk, really. Got a long way to go. I'm going to go all in. I, my dad always said, go big or go home, boss. Go big or go home. Don't waste your time going halfway. If I don't get to Michigan, I told myself it is sure as you know what's not going to be because I didn't work hard enough. So I think that's I think that's kind of a good way to live life. If we if we have these lofty goals, every goal should be a little lofty because one of the worst things we can do is set our goals too low and achieve them. Right? If we set lofty goals, we better be willing to do the work required to achieve those. So,
2: absolutely, couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> um, okay, so now uh with that, um, you have given over 200 appearances talking about grit. Um, you have um, received awards. You have been um, honored for, you know, your commitment to excellence, I like to call it. Um, so maybe just touch on that a little bit. You know, what has being able to tell your story meant, you know, to you or you know, to those people that have heard it um, because here at What Do We Do and Great Lakes Wealth, we are all about community. We want to lift up our community. We want to help our community. So um, we do want to share stories. So maybe, again, talk about what you've seen so far as a result of, um, you know, your message, which, um, again, is a blessing, you know, that um, you're able to share it with our community. And our community is not just here in Metro Detroit. Again, It's national. Um, In some ways, it's international. So um, let's talk about that for just a quick second. And then, you know, what's next? What's next for Austin and Abby Hatch?
3: Yeah, so I've been, yeah, as you mentioned, been incredibly blessed to have a lot of great opportunities to share my story and message with a lot of great companies, um, some of which are your friendly rivals. (laughs) Um, You know, the Bernstein Private Wealth Management, the Edward Jones, um, Northwestern Mutual, Pacific Lives, Prudentials, (laughs) Thriving Financial, UBS, but but we we'll stop there. We digress. There. We'll, we digress. We digress. When but we hey.
2: talked when we talked about universities, we talked about those lesser than.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Words to the wise. Words <laughs> to the wise. So for any future guests, don't do what I just did. But um, but yeah, so we had a lot of great opportunities and you know kind of carved out a niche in financial services, which is which is great because you know I think really what my message is about is building our lives for the big one, and I think you know from a financial planning insurance standpoint, it's for the big one, you do it for the big one, whether it's college, a house, marriage, whatever, whatever it is that you're preparing for something. And I think in life, as I mentioned before, we can't plan for the big one. We don't know when is, when the adversity, the big challenge, is going to come our way, but we can prepare for it by how we approach challenge and adversity every single day. And so, yeah, you know, and you know, from a life insurance standpoint, especially, you know, I it's you know I'm so grateful that um, you know my dad had it and was able to continue to provide for me and my you know my family despite you know the loss and um but the and this is maybe not an appropriate time to say this but um before the first plane accident in 2003 he actually didn't have life insurance um which is you know unfor- but you know for, tragically my my mom and siblings passed away obviously awful but um I don't think we should wait for the first big one to happen to really like Make sure we're protected, or and again, that's not that's not a marketing pitch to make sure everybody who sees this gets insurance. I'm just saying, like, we shouldn't wait for the first big thing to happen in our life to really, oh, okay, I do need to prepare. But like for the we should just prepare for challenges. It's like for the final, like we're going to get a final exam at some point, and I don't think the final exam should be the first thing we've prepared for the entire semester of a class, metaphorically speaking, right? And if like if we if we want to get an A in the class it takes a effort consistently, not just when the final exam comes. So,
2: well, we do say, um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's about, you know, setting yourself up for success now with investing today or tomorrow, but absolutely with your estate plan. And we talk about, um, your money now, your money later and your money, um, for the next generation. And so we absolutely think it's serious to talk about, um, life insurance and what's appropriate, um, investment planning and planning solutions and what's appropriate. So um, there's no um, topic, you know, that's taboo when it comes to, you know, setting yourself up for failure or really, hopefully, hopefully setting yourself up for success. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And there's um, um, no bigger ambassador uh, for that than us here at Great Lakes Wealth. So, um, Brooke, anything, um, I don't know, the Question, Jeff. You,
1: you know, I just wanted to ask you: Do you think resilience is a choice?
3: I do because I think resilience is. I think I mentioned this earlier. It's the decision. It's the choice to take act to take massive action in the face of adversity. And if you, it's like in class, like in school. If like for me in my recovery, I kind of thought about my recovery as just like another class. Mm-hmm. Like I had a. I had school and then I had this other thing to worry about in addition to that. So it's like, if I want to get an A in my recovery, I'm going to have to put A effort. We all know those people who, who, like, those friends, you ask, Oh, how'd you do that? "Ah, I got A minus. Like, (laughs) you you know, we have those people. But it's like, but if you want to get the A, you got to put in the A effort. You got to do things that people aren't willing to do. Mm -hmm. Resilience, if you want to get an A in resilience or an A in overcoming, Mm -hmm. you got to do things people aren't willing to do. If you want to get a B, you you, you got to make some sacrifice, but not as much as if you want to get an A. Right. And then if you want to get a C or a D, you, you, you average you do the bare minimum and make a you know you know decent recovery, or a decent road to to just to
1: survive, yeah, right? I mean yeah, it's just, just like to, the bare minimum. Yeah,
3: yeah, just to get by. But it's like, why not try to get the A? Mm-hmm. But to get that A, we got to do things that people. Are, but we got to be willing to do things that most people aren't willing to do and make sacrifices to get better every single day so
1: you know it's interesting too the fight or flight response right because back then you could have just shut down completely even after the first time the you know the first crash but then the second time you had so much more physical adversity and everything else but you could have chosen just to shut down completely and you went the opposite
3: yeah well yeah it's it's like I said it's uh it's go big or go home you know it's you know why not if if we're gonna By the grace of God, my life was spared again. Why not go big, right? (laughs) I think 2022 is gonna be the greatest year any of us have ever had. Yay! (laughs) But to achieve that, though, I think we gotta go big, right? We can't put in, we can't go medium and expect to achieve the greatest things ever. If we wanna achieve great, great things, we gotta put forth great effort. We gotta go big, so.
2: You heard it here first. 2022 <laughs> is going to be great, and you got to go big. I love that. Well, Austin, this is uh, a transition to my favorite part of the show, actually. Um, it is the What Do We Do podcast. But when we have guests on, our viewers, our listeners, they don't want to know what do we do. They really want to know what Austin do? And what I mean by that is what would Austin go back and tell his 18-year-old self, or what would you tell other 18-year-olds today?
3: Really decide to set that standard for yourself and always remember it. Because I think, I think, and I think that this was kind of how I sort of approached my basketball and recovery as well, mean um, I don't think I was quite as good about it in some ways as it was in others. But I think it's standard over circumstance. Ooh, I like that. Standard over circumstance. And if we set a standard for ourselves and we truly believe in that standard, I think we'll do what, whatever we can to achieve that standard regardless of circumstance. And, right? I mean, I mean if, 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 if our standard is, 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 is the A in class – We'll do whatever it takes to get that right, or or or, or whatever your standard is. Everybody's got a different one, and I think, yeah, I think just for me, it's, um, yeah, remember the standard and don't get discouraged, because like, there's a lot of everybody's got reasons to be discouraged. Like everybody's dealing with the challenges of their own, and, um, but yeah, just remember the goal. And remember the standard.
2: And don't get discouraged. And don't get discouraged. Um, Again, you epitomize, don't get discouraged because of your circumstance. And so, um, you know, very well said. Um, It's also been documented uh, in that ESPN documentary, again, called Miraculous. So please find it and watch it. um, That Coach Beeline um, said that you said that you've only had two really bad days in your entire life. I'm assuming those two days were those plane crashes. So um, I can't believe that every other day has been awesome. So I'm, I know that you've had other, you know, um, challenges to overcome. But please talk about, again, that positive mindset and, um, you know, how you carry that with you, not just for today, but, you know, with your future.
3: Yeah, well, I think I told Coach I really have I've really only had two bad days in my life. A lot of tough days. After both accidents obviously and um a lot of tough days, but two only really, really bad days. And I think I've found that the foundation of a lot of I don't wanna say joy or, or, or satisfaction in life comes from gratitude. If like if I'm if I'm grateful to be married to my wife Abby, she's she's amazing and I just, uh, I could go on and on about her. But She's incredible, and, but we have challenges, right? Every, every couple of us, every, every family, every, every, every organization, everybody's got challenges. But if we're grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the Great Lakes Wealth Team, if I'm grateful to be here on the podcast with you, I'm going to do my best to do, deliver on your expectations, right? If I'm part of a company and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be there, I'm going to do what I can to serve that company and add value in the ways they're expecting. Maybe I'm going to even do my best to do more than what they're expecting, right? And so I think, yeah, I just think that, um, yeah, going back, just just having gratitude and, um, yeah, I really just believe that that's the kind of the foundation of everything. If we're if we're grateful, and that doesn't mean we ignore the ignore the challenges or ignore the, or ignore anything else, but yeah, we'll just do it. If we're grateful, we'll. It's hard to be grateful and negative at the same time. They actually did a study at Duke University. Who? Where? Uh, yeah, what? Exactly. You, what? Know, you know, it would be a lot more credible if it was a study done at the University of Michigan. Absolutely. It would be a lot more credible. amen, brother. And they, they actually, they, they found, and, this, and I don't know if these results are legitimate because Duke, you know, Duke's oh, Duke, whatever. Yes. They found that our optimism, our positivity is a competitive advantage in, in any circumstance. Why not choose to be positive? It's sometimes more difficult to choose to be positive, though. It's more difficult to be resilient. It's easier to allow ourselves... To be the product of circumstance, it's easy to be negative. But I'm reminded of the the cadet prayer at West Point. Thank you to anybody who's watching this who has served or whose family members have served in our armed forces. Thank you for your service. But there's two lines in the cadet prayer. First one is, Lord, encourage us in our endeavor to live above the common level of life. Second one is, make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong encourage us in our endeavor to live above the common level of life it's uncommon to overcome challenges i think there's more people in the world who are the product of circumstance who let themselves be defined by what happens to them i think that's more common but if we want to be more so defined by our response you know we got to do you got to do the uncommon work right you got to approach that adversity in an uncommon way and um and to do that, though, we're going to have to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong consistently. And I don't know anybody who's watching this who runs a company or who works for a company. It doesn't matter. If we consistently choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, our team's going to win. I really believe that. Not that maybe, maybe that's too simple. But business is hard. Life's, life's challenging, right? But if we choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, we're going to win in my recovery. The, the, the harder getting to Michigan was, was choosing the harder path. But if I have that goal, I'm gonna have to consistently choose the harder right. The harder right's getting up out of bed, you know, going up, going to the gym earlier before school, staying in you know, class, after school. It's harder to be a great teammate. It's easier to be negative, easy to, oh, I'm not playing. I don't have the role I want to, and uh, just woe is me. That's easy. It's harder to be a great teammate. Like I feel like the that's a great a great line in the cadet prayer. Choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And if we consistently choose the harder right. Instead of easy, wrong. I just I feel like good things are going to happen. So,
2: you are an inspiration, my friend. Um, I, that's deep and meaningful. Your story is raw. Your story is real. You are again an inspiration. You are a blessing. You are a miracle. Not just because you survived those two plane crashes, but because you were able to share that amazing, inspirational story and that positive outlook and encourage greatness when you c- could be the easiest one to not so i really want to thank you for being here today austin hatch you're an amazing man uh brooke mm-hmm. thank you for being here any uh thank last you. comments
1: no, thank you. no it's just an incredible story i mean and the story aside who you are and who you become is incredible in itself i hope my kids are like you
2: oh, thank
1: you i
3: appreciate <laughs> that
2: Um, And again, in that documentary, it talks about, you know, you're just getting started at the end. They talk about these tragedies and, uh, you know, where you were in your life at the end of that documentary. um, Austin's just getting started, right? Something along those lines. Well, you may or may not know, (laughs) but uh, at What Do We Do, we also say something very similar, my friend. We say that this is the What Do We Do podcast. Mm -hmm. This is season two, episode 12. That's number 54 total. And we have over 25,000 likes, downloads, subscribes. Please go check out some of the prior podcasts with other amazing guests and other amazing uh, investment topics. But with all of that, Brooke (laughs) Allen, Austin Hatch,
3: we're just (laughs) getting getting started. started. (laughs) Love it. Booyah.
2: Thanks
3: for being here. For sure. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.